Hi there, Monica White, licensed mental health counselor here. Welcome to Boost Your EQ. This is the podcast where I teach the most important psychology skills you can learn to build abundant, thriving relationships with yourself and the people around you. Today's episode is titled Eight Ways to Reduce Anxiety Overwhelm. And so as you know, my niche population is high-functioning students and professionals in the metropolitan areas of Boston and New York. And so naturally, for anyone who's between the ages of 25 and 35, there's a lot of challenges, decisions, and choices that we have to make in order to live our best life. I spend most hours of my day and in my business helping my clients process, organize, and clarify, you know, all the obstacles and challenges and choices that we are having to make during this time in our life. So in this episode, I'm going to discuss symptoms of anxiety, how it affects our ability to make decisions, it causes difficulties in concentrating, and it leads to overwhelm and overthinking. I'm going to discuss the eight steps to counseling for anxiety and how managing you know, anxiety is going to improve your quality of life experience and well-being. And so all of this naturally relates to real life examples that we can use to reduce burnout, improve our ability to connect, all with less effort. And so that way we can feel like we are functioning more effectively and with confidence in our personal and professional life. So before I get started, just want to put the disclaimer in here. Obviously, my podcast and my Instagram and anything correlated with social media is for educational purposes. Licensed clinicians, um, anyone with a license is allowed to post on social media as long as it's educational content. Most of the PDF worksheets that I use for my podcast are on my Instagram, so if you want to follow me there, I'm at WellBeToGo, and if you want to find the specific episode PDF, it's titled Eight Goals of Counseling for Anxiety, so it's there on my Instagram at WellBeToGo. Hopefully we know by now that anything you get off the internet is not a substitute for getting the professional opinion of a licensed clinician. Hopefully everyone has access to a healthcare professional that can be your primary care physician or a licensed clinician or both. So if you have a primary care physician and you're experiencing anxiety, definitely let your primary care know about your symptoms of anxiety and that way they can sort of monitor and document and rule out anything else that may be going on. And for sure, they can always refer you to a licensed clinician in your local community. So that said, we can move on. Let's get started talking about symptoms of anxiety. You know, low-level anxiety is a pretty normal, typical thing that a lot of people um, experience in life. And there's a lot of reasons for anxiety. In fact, a little bit of anxiety is okay. The issue that I usually see is that anxiety continues to go on unchecked for months and years, and then it starts affecting our social and occupational functioning. So a little anxiety is okay. In fact, we can channel that and get excited about it. But a lot of anxiety over a long course of time where we just don't have a lot of self-awareness and it's not being treated and worked on, that leads to difficulties in concentrating, indecisiveness, overwhelm, burnout, all kinds of things. So unchecked anxiety and unmanaged anxiety can really cause us to feel uncomfortable at best, and then it also can interfere with a lot of our decisions and life experience and well-being. 
Anxiety presents as a worry and an apprehensive expectation about a number of events or activities. It can be anything from work to school performance to, you know, future career goals to who you're going to marry to are you going to buy a house? Are you going to work? Where are you going to work? That sort of thing. And anxiety can get in the way of our day-to-day routine and our day-to-day goals. So usually people find it difficult to control the worry. It just is like this chatter and it keeps going on and on and on. And if you'll notice how many hours of the day you spend in anxious thinking and document that, you might be surprised. So a lot of people don't even realize that they have like an anxiety chatter um, running all day long. So they talk to themselves and they're anxious. So it's reinforcing that anxiety loop. This is why it becomes something that interferes with our social and daily and occupational functioning. So it's difficult to control anxiety. And also it produces symptoms. So usually people that have had anxiety for a while start to feel like restless or keyed up or on edge. They get fatigued or tired. They experience maybe difficulty concentrating or their mind kind of goes blank. They can't finish sentences and they just have a hard time connecting in the moment. People with anxiety also tend to um, get irritable, like slightly irritable. I mean, you could be a good person and get irritable, but usually it comes out as like, I don't, I just need some time or I need a break or I just can't do this right now. That's how anxiety um, presents as irritability. So it's not that you're, you can be a nice person, but if you have anxiety, then it causes you to feel irritable or cranky and it just makes you feel mean even though anxiety is telling you that you need some space and you need to slow down and do some self-care because the anxiety is persistent and it's exhausting. Anxiety also feels like muscle tension. So you can pay attention to where the anxiety is in your body and that will also give you some clues about how strong your anxiety is. Anxiety also affects our sleep. So it's hard to fall asleep or stay asleep or we're just kind of restless and we get unsatisfying sleep. And so the main thing is that anxiety goes on for too long. Um, So again, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of anxiety. You know, as humans, we've got a lot of challenges and obstacles and anxiety can motivate us, you know, if we use it in the right way. However, anxiety over a long period of time that's unchecked and unmanaged becomes really exhausting and it gets in our way of connecting with people in the moment. Not only that, but most of all, anxiety gets in the way of us connecting to ourselves. So it's funny that I see anxiety in so many high-functioning people. So friends and family and people that I've met in life they can be super high functioning, super accomplished, very successful, and still have anxiety. And anxiety feels like somebody that is constantly on edge and restless and just, you know, overdoing things and overworking themselves. You know, you can be very successful and be highly anxious, and there's nothing wrong with that. However, it's really great to not experience anxiety all the time. I haven't had anxiety for several years now. Actually, let me addend that. What I mean is that I haven't had unmanaged or untreated anxiety for the past few years. So as I mentioned, you know, a little bit of anxiety is natural. So if I get really stressed out or something concerns me, I will get anxiety and that's normal. That's not a bad thing. 
but now I know how to resolve it and clarify it and manage it and cope with it so that it doesn't continue. So what I'm specifically referring to is unmanaged anxiety that continues over the course of several days or several weeks and you know even several months. So that level of anxiety is something that you definitely want to take into consideration and um, start looking for resources because it's something that is is able to it is treatable and it's there's there's a lot you can do to manage it. There are a lot of benefits to me having learned how to manage anxiety and learn the difference between regular anxiety and then anxiety that becomes apprehensive, like generalized anxiety. And it's really wonderful because it allows me to focus on the things that I really want to focus on without anxiety getting in the way. It allows me to accomplish my goals and just feel good about my day-to-day life experience. And another cool thing about not having anxiety or chronic anxiety all the time is that I'm able to like really be in the moment with people and observe and just be at peace in my day-to-day life. So managing anxiety and having the self-awareness of steps you can take. It's an incredible blessing when you can get to a place where anxiety is not persistent and it's just really doesn't affect your day. So there. So if you're saying, all right, I'm ready, I wanna do this, I want to learn how to manage my anxiety, then let's discuss the eight goals for counseling for anxiety and we'll process, organize, and clarify these steps to take so you can get started on learning how to reduce and um, improve your ability to manage anxiety. Step number one is attend an annual checkup with your primary care physician. Step number two is rule out physical symptoms. Step number three is assess your need for medication evaluation or have your PCP provide a referral for behavioral health, and I'll explain these in a moment. Step number four, you'll find a licensed clinician, and you'll go through this um, psychosocial assessment. All that really means is just like a plan, like a formulation plan. Number five is identify the sources of anxiety, worries, and fears with your clinician. Number six is learn about options for healthy coping skills, etc. Number seven is learn self-awareness. Number eight is improve your feelings of trust, safety, control, intimacy, esteem, and ability to reality test yourself, connect, and contribute with a solid skills foundation. So I'm going to break down these eight goals of counseling for anxiety and again you can find it on my Instagram at wellbe to go and if you want the PDF version so that sometimes that helps because it is a lot but let's break down step number one so goal number one is to attend an annual checkup with your primary care physician in hospital speak PCP is your primary care physician so why do you want to do that well, first off, most of us aren't even doing the basics. So if you haven't seen a doctor or your primary care physician in a year or two or five, you haven't had a physical and a checkup. So that's like basics because goal number two is that your PCP is going to rule out physical conditions. 
So to be honest, people have adrenal, thyroid, vitamin deficiencies. People have brain injuries. They have hormonal issues. They have um, menstrual cycle issues. They have diabetes. They have cardiac lung issues. We have neuro issues. We have physical illness, you know, and even side effects of things like medications, drugs, and alcohol. So if you haven't even ruled out physical conditions, it's really hard to start addressing anxiety because anxiety management is retraining your brain. Anxiety keeps us stuck in this negative thought loop and it allows for like unhealthy coping skills and it just keeps us in this loop. And obviously if we stay in the loop, we can't get on to the healthier track. So seeing your primary care physician and getting an annual checkout and ruling out physical conditions and just identifying what's what is super helpful. Then you can start targeting anxiety. Anxiety is a training, so it requires you to be in like a pretty good mind state to where you can actually start training your brain. Goal number three is to assess your need for medication evaluation with your primary care or you can go have your primary give you a referral for behavioral health. Behavioral health is the fancy word, the proper word of um, anyone who's a licensed mental health clinician. In the world of insurance, behavioral health is that umbrella term. It just means health, healthy lifestyle, <laughs> everything related to healthy lifestyle. And obviously insurance is interested in us getting, you know, our health and lifestyle needs met as well. So it's interesting that even in hospitals, they're starting to include behavioral health as um, an umbrella of primary care. So that's super awesome. Goal number four is find a licensed clinician and you do a biopsychosocial assessment. That really just means that you and your therapist are clarifying like biological stuff, psychological stuff and social factors. So, you know, a lot of people have experienced family of origin issues, poverty, um, stress and trauma and things that affect our current situation. Um, some people have genetic issues, you know, maybe their mom or their dad had anxiety or a sibling. Psychological issues is just, you know, do you have the right positive social supports? Do you have the right support team? And so your therapist is going to look at all these different factors that contribute to anxiety. And your therapist is going to help you break that down and identify those things. Another thing a therapist will do is identify your strength factors and your resilience. So those are all things that are measurable and they have outcomes. So they are science-based. Goal number five is to identify the source of anxieties, worries, and fears. So a lot of times, this is what I see, a lot of times people are anxious and worried and fearful about things that are not necessarily realistic. So they got used to having anxiety and fear maybe while they were growing up. And so then as an adult, they're just anxious about things that are going to happen. How a real life example of this is Someone who is constantly worried about their job in 10, 20 years, like maybe they work at a company and they're just anxious and apprehensive about what can happen. And we need to identify the source of that because the reality is maybe that won't happen to them because they are have all the skills and tool sets 
you know, typically if you have a career history and you have all the skills and the tools, you can get jobs at different places. And the reality is that the company may change. You may have to get a different job, but you can solve the problem as is. But people with anxiety forget that. They forget that they are going to be able to solve the problem when the problem starts or when the problem presents. And so they just kind of have this anxiety about everything (laughs) all the time. So you want to identify where is this anxiety coming from? What's it about? And is it even rational and reasonable? Goal number six is learn about your options for evidence-based healthy coping skills. I've talked about coping skills in previous episodes. And so if you're interested in healthy coping strategies and skills, check out some of my earlier podcasts on healthy coping skills and how to be a healthy coping skills master. And coping skills are amazing. I'm not going to go into it because I rave about coping skills. But regardless, there's a lot of skills and strategies you can use. And those are physical, emotional, cognitive, and philosophical. And you can discuss any of these with your clinician and your therapist. Goal number seven is to learn about self-awareness. Self-awareness is half the battle. If you can identify what's going on within you and identify symptoms and your choices, then you can make decisions about how you can manage anxiety. And so you learn problem-solving skills. You can learn about self-awareness through lifespan goals, boundaries development, stress management, emotional regulation, communication, assertiveness, self-esteem, and self-care. That's a lot of jargon. I use those words every day, all day. Um, However, those are probably some new words for you. And um, any of that that sounds interesting, jot it down, take a note, and feel free to message me or message your therapist or get in touch with them and talk about it with them in your next session. The eighth goal of counseling for anxiety is your overall well-being. Just improve your overall well-being, quality of life, and life experience. So if you work on your anxiety, it's going to improve your feelings of trust, trust within you, trust for others, and safety. You'll feel more safe, or at least you'll know how to become safe. You can identify your own emotional safety plan. You can remove, you know, unhelpful, unhealthy people from your life. Counseling is going to help you improve feelings of control in your life. So you'll know what to do when a problem presents or when a challenge presents. And you'll have the ability to make decisions and have a lot of choices. Clearly, the more choices you have in life, the more options you have, and the more you're able to pick and choose things that work for you. Counseling for anxiety also improves feelings of intimacy. And so if a person is anxious, for example, if I'm always anxious and I'm always overthinking and I'm worried about the future, it's hard for my partner to be intimate with me because I'm constantly worried about the future and worried about things that may or may not happen. And, you know, even if they do happen, they're outside of my control. That does prevent intimacy because intimacy is connecting with somebody in a healthy way in the here and now. And so your intimacy may be affected if you're constantly anxious. 
So that's a huge, huge issue. That's why people with anxiety, I always kind of say, hey, we want to manage the anxiety so that you can actually um, help yourself and help your partner. Counseling for anxiety also helps us improve feelings of self-esteem and um, self-efficacy. So that's the belief that we can get things accomplished and we can get things accomplished that we want to do in our lives. Self-esteem is a component of that self-esteem. I have a whole podcast episode on self-esteem, so I'm not going to go into that, but that's a daily practice. So people don't just have great self-esteem. Self-esteem is learned, it's developed, and we practice it regularly. Um, Self-esteem is like a bunch of different, you know, at least 10 different things you can do regularly to sort of build um, a realistic self-esteem practice. A couple other things on the eighth goal of Counseling for Anxiety is that it will help us improve our ability to reality test. So if I'm anxious all the time, it's hard for me to know what's real because I'm always in my own head. I'm always thinking anxiously about things that are in the future or may or may not happen. Um, and so it will improve our, improve our ability to like hone our intuition, to get in touch with what's really going on and to be able to experience reality. So I always say that reality and, um, you know, mental health is a blessing and it's a gift because if you can experience the same reality as somebody else, like let's say myself and a friend, we are looking at a lake and we're both saying, hey, this is a beautiful lake. That allows us to experience the same reality. But if I'm looking at the lake and I'm anxious and my friend's looking at the lake and they're not anxious, they're like saying, wow, what a beautiful lake. But then I say, that's just, you know, maybe the lake's not this or that or, you know, I can't even, I don't even like lakes or this or that. Then you're kind of changing the dynamics of reality and it's hard to connect with people. So if you can get your anxiety managed and um, reduce the distress, you're going to feel a relief and you're not going to feel like you're suffering as much. And you're going to be able to connect and share a reality with the people that are close to you. And the last cool thing, if you get your anxiety managed, is that you'll be able to contribute. So anxiety is not going to get in the way of you contributing to, you know, your agency or to your friendship circle or to your family because you'll have this solid skills foundation. You'll say, you know what, maybe once I did have anxiety, but I learned how to manage it. I learned how to accept it. I learned how to embrace it. And I learned what to do to reduce my suffering and improve my well-being and my quality of life experience. So there's a lot of different choices and decisions we can make to work on our anxiety. The bottom line is, is that anxiety is something that is real. There is great treatment for it and it's really customized and personal to each person. That's why I wish I could um, just fix anxiety in a group, but it doesn't really work because really anxiety is so unique and it changes every day and it's so different for each person. So this is why I'm doing this podcast because the more people know about anxiety and know what to expect and what they're working on, the easier it is 
for me to help them with their mindset and to help them manage and move forward through it. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I truly believe that anxiety is something that is not, it it can be a blessing, you know, like we can use it and we can make it work for us. However, you do want to learn about it. You want to learn what your options are in order to, you know, broaden your choices and make decisions so that we can process, organize, and clarify issues in the here and now, in the moment. And that is really an an amazing, powerful force for transformation. So identifying and having self-awareness is half the journey. And then the other half is like deciding how to change and transform and do something to realistically and sustainably grow, thrive, and flourish. And I'll probably repeat myself a few times, but one of my mottos is realistic and sustainable. So everything I teach, everything that I put on my podcast and in my um, PDFs are realistic and sustainable things that if you practice on a daily, regular basis, they will help you improve your quality of life and your mindset and help you be able to have um, a sense of well-being and comfort. So that's it for this episode. You may have noticed that I didn't edit this episode, mostly because I probably had, you know, at least eight to ten talking sessions today, so my voice is pretty hoarse. And even if I were to edit this episode, it might not make such a big difference. So anywho, this is the sound of my voice when I'm a bit tired. So I'm going to end it right here, and I hope you all enjoy this episode. I hope you have a great week. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to message me, and I will see you all next episode. Take care, friends.